that you kept doing the thing. And the more that you did the thing, the more confident you became and the motivation increases. And therefore you went and you practiced more, got better at it. And it was like this whole circular effect. Welcome to the Phase 4 Podcast, inspired by Vishen Lakhiani and Ajit Nawalka, co-founders of Evercoach, a division of Vine Valley. In this podcast, we speak to coaches and creatives about where they were, where they are, and where they are going. This is the intersection of what we focus on expands, and your story is your superpower. My guest today is Julie DeLuca Collin. She's a business strategist and mentor, a speaker, a retreat host, podcaster, and the author of a best-selling book, Confident You. In addition to offering guidance and support, Julie has a wealth of knowledge and a burning desire to help others, especially if you have a business you're trying to launch and scale, including being an author. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, JP. It is a pleasure to be here with you and to get to know you and your listeners as well. Yeah, I'm definitely grateful. And you have definitely a lot to offer. <laughs> we only have a little bit of time, so we'll try to get to it. But maybe just kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I am a teacher at heart. I started my career as a teacher in Serving others has always been something that's been very intrinsic in me. I was always told as a young child that service is important, and it became one of these core values and beliefs after leaving teaching because I'm going to tell you, I, I, I didn't do very well getting up early in the morning, <laughs> but I also wanted more for my life, and teaching is incredibly rewarding, but I started to explore what was possible and where else I could go. I did several different things and I was recruited by an educational company and the educational company was an incredible opportunity to kind of marry some of my skills. I was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug at the young age of 12 and I started my own little business um, back then when I left school at 12 years old. I would walk home and my mom worked for the Miami Opera. And I would go into the building to say, hey, I'm home and I'm gonna, I'm heading home. And one of the things that I found is that her coworkers really had a need. And most of them, and this is the 80s, I'm going to date myself. So in the 80s, you know, there was no Uber, uh, DoorDash, nothing like that. So I kind of became that first Uber in which People had maybe dry cleaning to be picked up or something from the pharmacy or perhaps uh, some nice Cuban coffee that they would go in and, and need it. And I would offer to go and run their errands in the afternoon and they would pay me for running their errands. <laughs> so when I started working fast forward uh, in that educational company, I'd worked in retail for several years, putting myself through school and that education background and the selling background kind of melded together. I became a center director for a tutoring company in New York. I was living in New York at the time and I loved it. I had an opportunity to really make an impact in the lives of kids who were struggling with school, help their families. But I also partnered with a lot of the school districts in which I went and I would 
talk about the services that we did. Um, and it was an incredible education on the ground. That incredible company was so helpful to making me who I am. They really had a mission, and they still do, growing from within. They helped me continue to grow my skills. I was promoted. I became very successful, one of the top performing centers in the in the system because they, they are company-owned by also a franchise-owned centers. And I was brought into the training department where teaching, again, was part of what I was doing. But at the same time, uh, kind of the universe aligned. The opportunities to not only work with parents opened up for us to work with school districts. And because I had incredible, great relationships with school districts, the company kind of uh, had me start begin begin to work with the VP of business development. And he taught me everything there is to know about business developing. Fast forward, when I left the company, I had been promoted to senior executive. I'd had the opportunity to represent the company in Capitol Hill to advocate for funding for lower socioeconomic uh, schools that needed the additional support so they can provide with high educational services to their students. I became a conference speaker as well. And then I went to work for another company. And by the time I left that company, I'd gotten some coaching certifications. I did a lot of mentoring and coaching, not only of my team members, but uh, in different uh, volunteer opportunities. And when the pandemic hit, the company that I was working with was hit very hard. And they, rightly so, needed to make some tough decisions, and I was part of that. And at that time, I thought, perfect, I've been thinking of going and doing my own thing. It wasn't easy because it's never easy to say goodbye to a life and to an organization that you have great ties to. But also, it was a great gift to be able to go in this new journey. My original intent as I began to coaching was that I was going to work with women who were in their corporate career. Again, I had been in corporate for over 20 years, and my last role was in the C-suite. And one of the things that I kept hearing from individuals was, wow, you're so confident. I wish I was as confident as you are. And I thought, you know, that's not the case for any of us. We don't always feel perfect or that we have it together. And I wanted to coach these women in their careers to help them see that Showing up is a choice. We don't always have it together. We're going to be uncomfortable, but the consistency of showing up and doing the work helps us gain the evidence that we are capable. And the last thing that started to happen that I was a little surprised, but I guess maybe I shouldn't have been, is as I was working with some individuals in that corporate arena, women entrepreneurs began to say, hey, um, wow, you launched your business, you're growing, you you replaced your corporate salary. How do I start a business? Do I need an LLC? Do I need a website? Do I need a logo? Where do I start? And I started to coach them because, again, throughout my career, the business developing, starting a business, and then the operations part was something that I was very familiar with from my background. And sure we are, and, you know, three years in, I work primarily with women entrepreneurs who are looking to create the freedom of time, money, and really create an impact in the world through the gifts that they have. 
I love being able to support individuals to create consistent income so they don't have to worry about their bills, but they can live the life that they imagined. And my company is Go Confidently Services. So I want to help them build the confidence so that they don't have that overwhelm or that second guessing or doubting in, and really provide them with a wholesome approach to not only building their business, but their brand and living a legacy for others. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot, I know. That's good. <laughs> I think it's cool that you like started at such a young age on that journey, and maybe that's where the confidence comes from. And then some people have the confidence, but other people who don't have it, they can cultivate it, right? We can grow it. Absolutely. Confidence is the one skill that many people think that, oh, you're an extrovert, therefore you're confident. It doesn't work like that. Confidence is that little um, thing that we gain when we see ourselves doing the work. You know, for as overused as the example is, think about when you started to ride a bike. You didn't know how to do it, and at first you were uneasy, but maybe you were also like excited or or you were motivated because all your friends were riding a bike and you wanted to take the training wheels off. You didn't necessarily feel confident, but the more that you started to do it, right, the more that you saw yourself, oh, I can balance myself, um, the more that you kept doing the thing. And the more that you did the thing, the more confident you became and the motivation increases and therefore you went and you practiced more, got better at it, and it was like this whole circular effect, which is really what confidence is about. A hundred percent. And another part of that is that consistency of, I always use a philosophy, go low, go slow, right? And just, Ooh, that's great. Yeah, little steps. because Little steps. My example is running, right? Like you run one minute today, two minutes tomorrow, after a lot, you're running for half an hour. and. Amazing. Amazing. I love that example. You know, I, I, uh, in the last three years, I went through an, another coaching certification as a tiny habits coach. So tiny habits, tiny steps, little micro, um, micro work is definitely something that I recommend that I really want people to, you know, feel like they're capable of doing it. So I love that example. I'm going to start running for a minute a day. You know, your brain always tells you it's not enough. But when you put it in that context, JP, it is, right? You can do it. A hundred percent. I have one client and I'm like telling her, like, this is done on purpose. I don't want you to do 10 or 15. I want you to do one. And and she's like, but it feels silly. I'm like, don't worry about the silly part. Like, come, come yeah. let's talk later. And so it is. It just stacks anything, right? And Absolutely. I'm a big guy on measuring your own evidence. You said it earlier, but man, write the story. What do you want to become? What do you want to do? Okay, let's slowly work towards it. And then you manufacture the evidence. You can make it up. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the one thing that a lot of people really fall into the trap of letting their brain tell them that the effort is not enough, that what you're doing doesn't uh, amount to much. But if you stay your course, and what I like to say to my clients, that consistent action is the one that gets you traction. I love it. That consistent action gets you traction. So yeah. we, know, we know you're a speaker. We know you wrote a book. You host retreats. 
you're about to do a talk. So that's definitely sounds like something that might come up in your talk, but figure <laughs> wherever you want, cover kind of all those, but uh, maybe we'll leave the book and tell us about your speaking and retreats and whatever you want there. Yeah. So thank you. You know, I started speaking at a very early age. Uh, my grandmother, before we lived in Miami, we lived in El Salvador. And my mom is from El Salvador. My dad is from New York. And my grandmother owned a school. And from a very early age, um, I did presentations. I would recite poetry. I would pick up the microphone and speak. And, and you know, I, I, I don't know. It just never seemed like it was ordinary for me. It didn't seem like a big deal. Um, and then when I, when I was in high school again, I was part of a very nurturing environment. I was very connected to my church youth group. So I was one of the peer leaders and got up and would talk. And again, came naturally, college again, uh, would speak at different groups, conferences for young adults. And when I got into, of course, as a teacher, you speak in front of people. And that's always something that I've continued to grow and work at fixing and work at building those skills. I ended up in that corporate career being the person that represented the organization at conferences. And the thing is, you know, when you get in front of people, if you know your stuff, right? And I think that this is where people um, kind of go wrong. They think that to be a speaker, I need to learn to speak about that thing. But speak your story first. Speak what you know about the most. Because if you are talking about something that you really know, it's going to come easy right? And then you can continue to build on that. You can continue to hone in your skills. One of the things that I did in my in my 30s and 40s is I joined the group Toastmasters. Many people know them. Love Toastmasters because for as much as I've spoken in front of people, for as much as I didn't feel scared to speak in front of people, there is always room for improvement. There is always room for you to learn from other people and get feedback, right? The feedback is not about beating you down for what you don't know. The feedback is about the lessons and honing in your skills. Kind of like that bike riding, right? If you were riding on a, on a flat surface, uh, when you go down a hill or up a hill, then you're learning a different skill. So it's important to surround yourself with others that have done it. So they can say, hey, as I'm going down the hill, this is what I do. Or as I'm going up the hill, this is another thing to do. So that's one of the things that I encourage individuals who are looking to be speakers to join a group like Toastmasters because it makes an incredible difference. Right. And you're about to give a TEDx talk. And so Toastmasters probably leads you towards that or helps your confidence as well. And so maybe can you speak to that? Yeah, so absolutely. So um, I set out a goal in 2022 that I wanted to give a TEDx. And by the way, I, I've been on and off. I think the last time I was really involved in Toastmasters was 2021. I was attending the meetings of the Toastmaster Club in New York City, in Manhattan, because they were still virtual. And then when the, they kind of pivoted back to going to in person, obviously I live in Connecticut, it's about a two and a half hour drive. So I couldn't really make 
my way back to my home city of New York. And I decided, okay, well, I'm going to try to log into different things. But um, that goal of wanting to be a TEDx speaker was really deep in my heart. I thought, you know, this is something that, and I started to research, well, how do I apply? What do I do? And then all of a sudden, in my current city where I live in Hartford, Connecticut, there is a, a Hartford TEDx. And many people, after the the event in 2021, many people said, hey, you really should speak at this event. It's going to be wonderful. You really should be a speaker. So when the application came out, I applied. And JP, when I applied, I was, uh, of course, I'm going to get selected. I know people think I should speak at this event. And I was denied. I was said, you know, I got an email that said, thank you, no, thank you. And I was not angry, but not feeling great. And in true Julie fashion, I'm like, okay, fine. They don't want me. I'm done with this. And I didn't think, and this was April of 2022. And I didn't think much more of it until December when I was evaluating my year, thinking through my goals, what happened, what I accomplished and what I didn't. I went ahead and I decided um, you know what? I, I want to do TEDx again. So I put it in my goals for 2023. And come April, I had not done anything to, not not April, it was March. I had not done anything to apply, to reach out, to learn, or to even take a class or work with someone, nothing. Because I, I, it was just kind of these things that, you know, you put in your goals and then you kind of forget about it because you're not revisiting. Um, I have a friend that we were speaking and he said, you know, you really should apply to TEDx. And I said, well, I don't know. I have to do some work. So he's like, hey, I've applied to the TEDx in Malden, Australia. You should apply and we'll go and we'll have, we'll make a whole trip of it. It'll be so much fun. And I thought, oh, all right. And he then said, I'll make it easy. I will nominate you as a speaker. So he nominated me first as a speaker in Malden, Australia. And I got an email from them and they said, hey, you've been nominated. Could you apply? So I went ahead and I went through the application process and they sent me an email back and they said, congratulations, you've been selected as a finalist. And I thought, oh, this is much farther than I got in, in Hartford. <laughs> so I... At that point, the Hartford application came out and I applied to Hartford again. But at this point, I thought, okay, let me really hone in, you know, because when I first applied to Hartford, and this is the thing, um, as a speaker, you, I can speak on a lot of different topics, right? I have a lot of varied experience. However, my jam, what I really, 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 really can speak about that kind of stems to everything else is confidence, habits, right? In my own personal experience, those three things, my story, belonging, being who I am, how did I get here? Those are the three things that are really intrinsic to me. And again, I can go and, and make other speeches based on that, but those are the three things. So I applied to Hartford and I made it as a finalist to Hartford and they wanted a, they wanted, um, again, uh, an interview. While that, I was waiting for the interview for Hartford, another talk came up and that was Mellon Street in Hampton, Virginia. So I applied. 
because again, my confidence had been built from that first, second, third. So I applied to Hampton in Hampton rather. And then I had my, I was, I received notice from, from Australia that, you know, they loved my topic, but it was a little different from the direction that they wanted to take. Then I received notice from also from Hartford. They said they loved what I was going to talk about. But again, it was different from the theme that they had set out. And then they said, uh, maybe next year. But I, at this point, I had built a little bit more of my confidence. When I went into, I was selected as a finalist again for Mellon Street, for Ham, Hampton, Virginia. And I went to the, I had to audition. This was not just an interview. It was an audition. So I went into the audition and I said, you know what, I'm going to, and at this point I had, knowing what had happened with Mellon's, with Malden and with Hartford, my talk is one thing, but their theme is another. So it's not about me. Oh, this is my great idea, right? And I hope it fits. No, I went in and I th thought, okay, the, what is their theme and how can I speak about my thing to fit their theme, right? And that's how the difference it was when I applied to, to Mellon Street. And when I auditioned, I really, I went from the point of service. How will I serve the audience based on what their theme is for this TEDx event? And how can I bring my perspective and my idea so that this becomes that um, all-inclusive place, right? So... Um, again, that's how, and then I received notice in late August that I was selected and now hard to believe is two weeks away and I am just thrilled and honored to be presenting and to sharing my talk is about confidence and how to um, have built the confidence to become the person that steps up despite, you know, maybe some of the uh, second guessing that we do, there is the ability, you know, we have, we are included in many different areas, but sometimes being included is not enough. We have to also take the lead and step in and find our place of where we belong. Yeah, that's amazing. There's so many nuggets in there. Um, the idea of like getting out of your head and into action and moving, that gains confidence. Absolutely. Like, the idea of not giving up when somebody says no, like you could have just stopped at the first one and go, well, I guess that's never going to happen, but you didn't right. keep going. And so all these things come towards confidence. And that is a perfect segue into your book. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's back there. I don't know if you could see it. Yeah. So let's talk about your book for a bit. Yeah, let's do it. So the name of the book is Confident You, Simple Habits to Live the Life You Have Imagined. And again, JP, um, writing a book was something that I've had in my heart since I was 14. I remember writing in my diary, I still have the diary, by the way, that talked about, I'm going to write a book someday. <laughs> and I've had all kinds of ideas of what I was going to write it about. I've been, you know, what genre, and maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that, and so many different ideas. And this happens, by the way, as entrepreneurs as well. 
We have tons of different ideas. I could do this. I could do that. Or why don't I offer this? Why don't I do that? But we spend so much time in the idea phase. You have to take action. Pick one. Pick one. Go that way and, you know, keep going at it. Fail, fail again, fail fast, learn from the failure, keep going. So I I decided to write this book and I met with a publishing, uh, a small publisher, uh, epic author, and they have helped incredible people just bring their book to life. And one of the things that my editor said and, and my publisher said is, you know your stuff. But it's important that you figure out that your stuff really makes a difference in the lives of others. And kind of the same concept with the TEDx, right? I can come up with some brilliant ideas, but if nobody is looking for the answers that my brilliant ideas give them, then it's not necessarily a good fit. So what he said is, why don't you do some book interviews? And I proceeded to do over, I would say, almost 200 book interviews in which I met with women of all walks of life to really talk about habits, confidence, what are their thoughts, what do they struggle with? And then I started to see a theme. And, you know, I don't have all the answers. I am not an expert, but I am definitely the expert of my life. And I know that in my success and the areas in which I've become successful, is because I have learned the habits to give me the confidence to do whatever it is in that area of life. And sometimes, well, actually most of the time, some of these habits came because there were very instrumental people in my life that had those habits that then they poured into me and helped me learn those lessons that helped me become better. So the way that the book is set up and you can pick it up and you can read it from chapter one to chapter 10, or you can pick different chapters. Every chapter is a kind of standalone, but definitely I tell my story from an early age, again, starting with my grandmother in El Salvador and seeing her be really beaten down by life and encountering some incredible, different, difficult, challenging things that definitely threatened her life to all of a sudden, again, you know, how she overcame those and the lessons that I learned about overcoming those challenges by seeing her, the tenacity and perseverance that I saw, those are habits. Being a, a, a person that has tenacity in what you're trying to do, showing up even when you're beaten down, those are habits that you create, right? It's showing up, going at it, like running, right? If you're running two minutes, tenacity, keep going, do it again, persevere. That builds you up and then you start to see some results. And again, th there's other chapters, you know, for instance, I talk a little bit about my personal um, journey with growing in the corporate environment. It wasn't always easy, but who are the people that actually supported me through the process? What are the people that really taught me to um, not only come into my own in that environment, but also how to do it confidently, how to go after my goals, how to not give up, how to be able to take account uh, those people coming behind you. So that's what the book is about. And, and um, again, I hope that through the stories, because again, I've been incredibly fortunate, JP. 
I've met some wonderful people that have been mentors and friends that have poured into my life. And perhaps your listeners may not ever meet them. Some of them are gone. However, the legacy of the lessons that I learned from them lives on, and I am passing those on to the listeners as well so that they can learn those lessons from these incredible individuals that touch my life. Amazing. Yeah, it's quite clear to me, like your grandmother having the school, your mom at the opera, all that kind of like formed your idea of what like a good life should be, solid life. And then things like relentlessness, perseverance, discipline, they're all habits, right? And I'm like, I'm so relentless in some of the things I do. But it, it gets a negative connotation, but it's not. That that discipline and relentlessness actually ends up being causing freedom. Like if you're disciplined in your habits, it, it allows you to have more freedom. And so when you're talking Toastmasters, the word of the day is definitely confidence for this. So. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. So I always ask everyone this question. Um, phase four in the six phase meditation by Vishen Lakhiani is all about creating your future three years from now. So where is Julie three years from today? I love this question. Okay. Um, it's funny you should ask this because I'm one of the re I'm hosting my CEO retreat for my incredible women entrepreneurs in about a month from today, actually, and December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd is a retreat. One of the things that we are going through is creating that three-year vision. I am an incredible proponent of the, your future self because your future self is the one that whispers to you the actions that you should be doing every day. So three years from now, one of the things that I see myself is I want to retire my husband. My husband uh, and I, you know, work the business together and he loves what he does for the business. Although he does love his aerospace job and he's incredibly committed to it. Um, in three years, some of the work that he does is very tough in his body. So I want to retire him. And if he wants to work in the business, I'm great. I also want us to be able to have that flexibility of freedom of time so that if we want to travel or work remote from our beach house in Spain, which is where I want to be, uh, we can do that. And again, you know, I have this very clear picture of what it's like to get up in the morning in my beach house in Spain, where I have a little balcony where I can watch the waves and the sun and drink my coffee that's where i want to be and then i choose the clients that i want to work with and continuing to make an impact on the lives of the women that work with me that started this business whatever business they have because they have a dream and they have me to help them believe that it's possible to maybe leave a nine-to-five job maybe contribute more money to their household Maybe they want to have this business because they're not in the right relationship or they want to pay cash for their children's college. All of these things are the reasons why I want to do that. And that's one of the things that I see. I also see myself continuing to be generous with the many organizations that I love volunteering for and contributing to. One of the things that I really um, want to make sure that I continue to do is that I contribute in a, in a higher, because I contribute now monetarily in time, but I want to continue to give that at a higher level to the organizations that help women, that help in educational causes, and also that are helping families that are in, uh, maybe in the brink of poverty or homelessness in, in 
really want to go ahead and continue to, to support these organizations. And last but not least, with my family, um, if my you know my nieces and nephews in three years, my niece is going to be starting middle school. Well, she starting high school, and my nephew, my the two youngest, are going to be. He's going to be finishing high school. So if they have any needs when it comes to college, both of my sisters have done an incredible job at providing for my nieces and nephews. But also, you know, I want to be the aunt that they can go to and say, hey, I want, and I want to say, absolutely, I can do that for you. And I want that freedom. Those are the things that I see for my life. That's such a beautiful answer. I love it. So Vision also has an exercise. He calls it the three MIQs, the three most important questions. Mm-hmm. And you, all it is, you take a piece of paper, you write three rows, three columns. And okay. one column is experiences, one column is growth, and one column is contribution. And you touch on most of them. But the idea is when you're creating your future, and the reason I'm telling you this, maybe you could play with it at that event, is that by doing that, something magical happens. And so the way he, the way he does it in his workplace is that he has a board. And he'll, he'll have everybody's up there. And so let's say you want to go to Spain and live on the beach. And maybe somebody else already lives there and wants to, right? Or like two people, the example he had was two people wanted to climb Mount Everest, but they never knew. And so then they ended up going and doing it together. Amazing. Like, yeah, so cool, right? But contribution is so important because that's what's going to keep you, your heart full, is when you give back, right? And yeah. Like, like you said, it does evolve. It starts off something small because you just start where you are. But as you start to get that feeling of giving back and then you get bigger and bigger and try to do more and more. So once you have these three things aligned and and the way he does it is like a three-year plan kind of thing. And so mine, I did it in like 2019 and or maybe it was, it was 2019. But then at the three-year mark, I was like, oh my God, all of these things came true. And they happened even better than I could have expected. I love it. Either I was not dreaming big enough or just the universe heard my intentions. So Yeah. Intentionality, you know, is one of the most important things we can have. Otherwise, we're living by default. We're allowing life to happen to us. And by the way, I was that person. And there's nothing wrong with being that person because we didn't know better. But when you know better, you do better. And it's so oversaid, but it is so incredibly true. And intentionality is the thing that can propel you forward. Creating that vision, making sure that you're going out and doing the thing will help you. Yeah. Intention for me, it's the mind, right? When we talk body, mind, spirit. So the first thing you need, belief is in your heart. Intention is in your mind. And then your body has to take action. And then the last part for me is surrender. Not for everybody, (laughs) but it's a spiritual thing and it all works together. And it for me that forms the acronym bias, and that's one of the frameworks Ooh, I amazing. I love yeah. that. Yeah, surrender. You know, my, one of my chapters is called surrender. So, uh, so definitely that's the one that I, I I and it's one of my favorite chapters. I just I think I um, maybe about a couple months ago I decided to read it as a podcast episode because not only do I feel that you know. The story of the incredible women in that chapter are very compelling, but I also wanted to remind myself, right? Surrender. The world has so many different things that you do not control. You control yourself. You control your mind. You control your body. You control what you feed yourself, both mentally, spiritually, and physically. 
But surrendering to the uncontrollable is one of the biggest things that you can do to be able to show up fully in life. And it's the hardest one, right? A hundred percent. I'm not very good at surrendering. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a practice, right? Just like we keep practicing and we get better every day. A hundred percent. So I guess as we begin to wind down, if this episode resonates with you, reach out to Julie, leave us a like, subscribe, share, follow all that stuff, but no hard sell. And before I ask my last question, is there anything you want to share that maybe we didn't cover? Actually, now that I'm saying that, the podcast I didn't get to talk about. Well, the podcast is is a labor of love. Um, my husband, when I got laid off in March of 2020, I launched my business and I was going all in. But I was also excited because in April, at the end of April, I was going to have my big milestone birthday party that I'd been planning for six months. And he realized that we were going to be in this lockdown more than a couple of weeks. So, of course, his extroverted wife needed something to distract her in addition to trying to build a brand new business. So he ordered the podcasting equipment and he said, hey, uh, you're starting a podcast. You've always talked about it. You're you listen to a lot of podcasts, but you talk about doing it. This is it. Um, and, and I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I, I don't understand. And I started to go into the overwhelm. Right. But he said, look, you record, you, you do the talent thing and I will do the tech. So that's a good marriage. I'm the talent. He's the tech. And basically he is also my co-host, not only in life, but on the podcast. So we interview, I do the interviews with incredible individuals from all different walks of life. And we talk about what their journey has been to going confidently in the direction of their dreams. And how do they get there? Because I want to normalize that when we see someone in social media, we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. We're not seeing all of the challenges, lessons, failures, successes, setbacks that life hands us, right? So I want to I want to normalize for those people who are thinking, oh, that's so neat. I wish I could do that, but it's not me, right? I'm not as cool as that person. I want them to see that it is possible for them. So that's a little bit of what the podcast is about. Um, we've had some incredible guests from all walks of life. I've had an Olympic athlete. I've had an American Idol. I've had uh, some uh, a 80s child star. And I've had everyday people with in compelling, interesting phenomenal stories that, you know, those are tend to be my favorites. So the name of the show is Casa de Confidence, because the, when you are coming to the show, you're sitting down with a cup of coffee or your drink of choice in our home. And we do it virtually, but, you know, it's a it's a metaphor. You're coming to our home and hanging out and talking about your life. That's beautiful. I love everything it's about. It definitely resonates with me and it reminds me of a Henry David Thurlow quote. If one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with the success unexpected in common hours. Yeah. And by the way, JP, that quote is a quote my dad told me when I was in my teens and it became my life man mantra. And that is what my business is named after that quote, Go Confidently Services. And again, everything is about confidence. It's everything is about going after your dream, going after the thing. And that means, you know, it's not going to be easy. 